pray for more grace to trust Jesus more. I pray that you would also open our hearts, our minds, as we look into your word today, as we see this wonderful truth about building our life on Jesus. Lord, would you please strengthen us to live the lives that you want us to live. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We're finishing up a, a series here, a sermon series, the longest sermon series that I've ever given here at Cornerstone. Remember, we started back before Christmas. Remember, we looked at Matthew chapters 1 and 2, the Christmas story there. And I said after that, we were just going to keep going, keep going all the way through the Sermon on the Mount, which takes us to chapter 7. So here we are. We're looking today at the very last part of chapter 7. And I just want to do a very quick recap, missing a whole bunch of the points, but I just want to, I want to bring kind of a theme through. In chapter 1, we're told about how God brought our Savior. And then in chapter 2, we're given this wonderful picture. It's perhaps been my favorite part of this sermon series, definitely one of my favorite parts, where we see the two very different responses of the wise men on the one hand, and on the other hand, King Herod. Remember the wise men? They went to great lengths, literally went to great lengths, to go and worship baby Jesus. King Herod, on the other hand, he didn't want anybody else to be called king. He held his kingship very tightly, and when he heard that there was somebody born who was going to be king of the Jews, he got jealous, and he wanted to kill Jesus. And I think it's just this wonderful picture of which one is it for us? Are we going to worship Jesus, or are we going to reject him? And then both chapter 3 and 4, we see this phrase, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. In chapter 3, it's on the lips of John the Baptist, and then in chapter 4, the exact same words are on the lips of Jesus. And, and both of them are saying, the kingdom of heaven is here. Turn away from your old life. That old life marked by sin, where we follow what we want, where we're really following the sinful nature. Repent of that. Confess your sins. And now follow Jesus in the new way of life that he has. Just two verses after Jesus said that, he said these two important words that I think are monumentally important for us. He said, follow me. He was talking to some fishermen. He said to them, follow me. And, and they, they left their fishing aside and they went and followed Jesus. That's what Jesus did. He gathered disciples to himself. He wanted them to follow him. And I, by the way, I think that's still what Jesus wants for us, to follow him. And then right after Jesus did that, right after he started drawing disciples to himself, he gave this Sermon on the Mount, starting in chapter 5, where Jesus told us a whole lot of things about how we should live our life. And the, the way it goes is like this, that if the kingdom of heaven is near, and if we say that we're following Jesus, we should live according to what he says. So the Sermon on the Mount has a lot of stuff that he says about how we should follow him. And then last Sunday, as we were getting close to the end of the Sermon on the Mount, we saw this idea from Jesus that there are only two roads. And I want to reread those verses because they're so important. Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. So there are two options, but they certainly aren't two equal options in Jesus' mind. One leads to destruction and one leads to life. And today, as we're going to look at the very final part of the Sermon on the Mount, we're going to see something very similar to this two roads idea. We're going to see two builders who built a house. One was wise, one was foolish. 
So overall, as we take a, a quick overview of Matthew 1 through 7, one of the ways that I see it is that God has brought our Savior, Jesus Christ, and we must follow him. He is the way we are to give our lives to him and to follow him. So will we worship him like the wise men did, or will we reject him? Will we, re- will we repent of our old way of life and follow the new way of life that Jesus has for us? Will we follow him? Will we live according to what he says? Will we enter through the narrow gate and stay on the road, which is Jesus Christ? There's only two ways to live. Uh, I've been reading and quoting a lot for you over this sermon series, John Stott. He was a famous pastor. He passed away recently. But he said of this two ways, this two roads idea, he said you cannot overemphasize the two ways. And I thought, oh, that's kind of refreshing to hear. Sometimes as pastor, I feel like maybe I'm overemphasizing things. There are some times when I, I say things and I repeat myself, and then two weeks later I say the exact same thing. And Sometimes I feel like maybe I'm overemphasizing, over-repeating, or over-repeating. Or so it was refreshing for me to hear a pastor say, you cannot overemphasize the two ways. You can't do it. So as we head into this last part of the Sermon on the Mount, I want you to understand that there is a right way and a wrong way. And specifically, looking at our passage, there's a right way and a wrong way to build our lives. So I want to read for you this final passage in the Sermon on the Mount, starting in Matthew 7:24. Jesus says, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house. Yet it did not fall because it had its foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell with a great crash. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. So what I want to do today in this passage is I want to walk through the building analogy and I'm going to spend most of my time looking at that section. And then after that, I want to look at the response to Jesus that the people gave in verses 28 to 29 and then just give a few concluding remarks on it. So first, we're going to look at this building analogy that Jesus used in verses 24 to 27. And it's really a very simple analogy. And one of the things that I'm loving about the Sermon on the Mount is how Jesus ended it with these very, very simple, clear analogies. There are two builders, one wise and one foolish. Now, one important point you have to notice about this passage is that both of them heard the words of Jesus but one of them did not put the words into practice. That's the difference there. And it's kind of amazing to me what is all the things that are the same in this passage. Both builders heard the words of Jesus. Both builders were obviously building a house. And by the way, spiritually speaking, we are all building a house. Every one of us, whether you're following Christ or not, every single one of us is building a house. And then also for both builders, the the rain and the streams and the wind came. And and one thing that that reminds me is that there are going to be difficulties in our lives. Even if you're following Christ, and maybe even especially if you're following Christ, there, there are going to be difficulties that come in our lives. And as your pastor, 
I desperately want your house to stand in those difficulties. So I'm, I'm grateful for these words that God gave to us about how we should build our house. So there are two builders and two houses. And on the outside, these two houses might have looked very similar. But there was something very different about them. And you just have to look at the end of the story to figure out how different they were. Because one of them stood and one of them fell with a great crash. And the difference had to do with their foundation. Now, foundations matter. Now, I know a thing or two about this because I studied civil engineering in college. As I was finishing up high school and trying to figure out what I wanted to do for a major, I, I started thinking about this idea of designing bridges and buildings. And it was just really cool. I'm kind of fascinated by tall buildings and by these magnificent bridges you see. I just think they're so majestic. And I thought, boy, it would be really cool to design those things. Obviously not majestic like God is, but, but God has given us a certain creativity. And I look at those things and I thought that would be really cool to build those things. Now, it does not take long in your study of civil engineering to figure out that foundations matter. Like, everything we do, we're looking at the bottom of things. We're looking to make sure that that is going to be able to stand firm. Now, let me explain this in a way that even you kids can understand. Um, and you parents will be able to understand this, too. Sometimes you know how your kids get a gift, and you're like, oh, great, I don't know if I really want to play with that one. Candy, oh no, I'm not going to say any names of games, but uh, there's some games that maybe us parents get a little bit tired of, but there's some gifts that our kids get and like, oh, that's kind of cool, I'll play with that one. One of those gifts that my son Josiah got back when we only had one kid was a, box of uh, a bucket of blocks. Uh, blocks were one of my favorite toys when I was a kid, and unfortunately I sold mine at a rummage sale for $2. Can you believe it? <laughs> oh man, I, I'd pay ten times that to get those, but anyways... Um, my dad was gracious enough to make a bucket of blocks for Josiah. And one of the things that I loved to do with those blocks was to make towers out of them. And my goal was to build a tower as tall as I could. Now the problem is when you have kids around, is you, you start to build a tower, and then what happens? They knock it over. So a uh, little, little window into my life. Um, one day Christine and Josiah went on a trip. And I'm like, okay, I'm taking out the blocks, and I'm going to build a tower. <laughs> Uh, don't think less of me, okay? <laughs> think of it as an engineering project. Okay, so you kids, if you're going to build a tower as tall as you can, what do you do? Now, let, let's say that there are 100 blocks in this bucket of blocks. You might think, okay, well, let's build a tower that's 100 blocks high. And you start, you put one on the bottom, and then one on top, and one on top, and one on top. But even you kids know what's going to happen to that tower. It's, it's going to tip over. Maybe you'll get 10 blocks high, maybe 20 blocks high, but pretty soon that tower is going to tip over. Because what do you need to do in order to build a taller tower? You need to make sure that the bottom is strong. So I used uh, <laughs> maybe more engineering skill than I've ever used in my life that, that one day, and I, I built like four separate structures on the bottom of that thing, and then I built up and and I eventually got this tower to the place that it was taller than me and took a picture of it and said to Christine, yep, this is what I do when you guys are gone. But, uh, <laughs> you guys, yeah, you can make comments to yourselves. I won't listen to you. <laughs> One other thing I did this week as I was studying for this sermon is I, I googled the phrase foundation failure pictures. 
and, and I, I clicked on the images and I was looking at all these bridges and houses and tall buildings in various stages of failure. And some of them, the failure didn't look too bad. Like some of them, it just looked like a crack that kind of went down the wall like that. But others of them, like even huge tall buildings had just completely collapsed because their foundation was bad. And, and it was, you know, as a former engineering student, it was disturbing. It, it actually made me glad I'm not a civil engineer because I couldn't imagine designing a building and then having it collapse. I mean, that would just be devastating. And then also I looked at some of these pictures and there were some beautiful houses on there. Like if you, if you just covered up the bottom of the picture and you look at the house, like, oh, wow, what a beautiful house. And then you move your hand and like, oh, it's destroyed because its foundation was bad. Foundations matter. Now getting back to Jesus' words, there are two different kinds of lives that we can build. One leads to destruction and one leads to life. It's the same idea with the two roads. One leads to destruction and one leads to life. Last Sunday, Jesus told us to enter through the narrow gate. And remember, he is the gate. We must come to him. If we want life, if we want salvation, we have to come to him. And then today, the message is that we need to live according to what Jesus says. And this is no small matter. A house with a bad foundation needs serious attention. One of those pictures that I saw online this week, it, it, I laughed out loud when I saw it because it was this picture of a house and one part of the house had just started to fall away from the other part of the house. It had foundation failure and it was starting to fall away from the other house. And the reason I laughed is because across that small gap, was a piece of duct tape. <laughs> now, don't get me wrong. I just fixed something yesterday in my house with duct tape. But if it's your foundation, it's not going to work. Too many people go through this life applying duct tape to a serious foundation problem. The problem is that we try to build our own life according to our own ways, and it doesn't work. The only solution is to give our lives to Jesus Christ and to build on Him. And by the way, the reason that it doesn't work to build our own lives is because eventually there's a, there's a day, there's a judgment day coming. And on that judgment day, the question about our house that we've built is going to be this. Is it flawless? Did you build it perfectly? And on our own, the answer to that question is a resounding no not even close. None of us can build a house like that. The only way for our house to be declared perfect and righteous is if Jesus Christ is the foundation. Now, a lot of people might scoff at that. A lot of Christians might say, oh, come on. A lot of non-Christians might say, a lot of non-Christians might say, come on, I can build my own life. I am perfectly capable of handling my own life but not according to God's standard. None of us can do that. We need Jesus Christ. We can't repair our sin problem, not even with duct tape. The only solution is Jesus Christ and his death for us, like I explained in communion. We have sin and there's nothing we can do about it. Only Jesus can forgive. So we need to build our lives on Jesus Christ. So which builder are you? Is your life built on the rock of Jesus Christ or are you building on the sand of your own plans? 
The wise builder was wise because he dug down to the rock. Now the word rock there, it can mean bedrock. And bedrock provides a strong foundation for a house. Now oftentimes when I've looked at this passage, I've asked the question, why, if we're just thinking about a building analogy, why would a builder build on sand instead of rock? Now one possible answer would be ignorance. But, but I, don't, I don't think that that's what's going on in this case because Jesus himself said both builders heard the words of Jesus. This isn't a matter of not knowing something. I think there's another reason. So why is it, again, back to our building analogy, why would a builder build on sand instead of rock? I think there's two answers. The first is that it's easier. It's easier because if you're building and you, you have to shovel down, it's easier to only go down you know, this much than it is to go down all the way to the rock. And it's cheaper. That's the second reason. It's cheaper. It takes less man hours, less effort, less time to, to build on sand than it does to dig down deep to the rock. So spiritually speaking, why would somebody build on the sand instead of on the rock of Jesus Christ? I think it's the same two answers. It's easier and it's cheaper. It's easier to build your life on the sand according to your own plans because think about it this way. If you're only living for yourself, all you ever have to do is think about yourself and what you want. It is surprisingly easy to live for yourself. Now, I'm not saying that it's easy to be successful at it, but I'm saying that it's easy to attempt it. All you have to do is think, what do I want? And then similarly, it's cheaper not to build on the rock. And what I mean by that is it might cost us something to live the way that Jesus wants to live. The, the cheap life, the life that you live on your own, is a life where, let's say that you have money. Well, what do I do with my money? I can spend it on myself because I want it. And again, I'm not saying that you'll be successful at it, but I'm saying that it's surprisingly easy and cheap just to think about yourself. Spend your money on yourself. If you got free time, well, what do I want to do? But the life built on Christ might be a little bit more costly because maybe you see somebody in need and God's asking you to meet that need, whether financially or with your time. Um, tithing and offering, that can be costly. There, there are lots of things in our life that Jesus might ask us to do that might be things that we don't want to do right away. I'm sure for those of you that have been walking with the Lord for a long time, you've got a list of things. You would say, you know, that was not my choice, but in the end, I'm glad that I went God's way. So yeah, it's easier and cheaper not to build on Christ, but that's not the way to live. And let's get back to the building analogy. Let's say that you're building a house, and let's say that you've hired a general contractor to do the work, and let's say that general contractor comes to you one day and says, you know what? We had our original plans, but once we started digging, we realized that we need to dig down quite a bit deeper because the soil just isn't strong enough and we need to get down to, to more rock. Now, you might say, nope, let's go ahead as planned. But if that contractor comes back and says, well, wait a second, your house is not going to stand. Yes, it's going to cost more money, but maybe we can find some other things you know, in the rest of the plans. Maybe, maybe that master bathroom that you had planned, that really nice one with the hot tub and all the tile on it. You know what? Maybe you can just get a standard bathroom because we need to dig down deeper. And let me say this. If that's what your contractor says to you, I would suggest you listen. Again, building our lives on Christ might cost something, 
It might be less comfortable. It might feel less comfortable. But it's the only way to build our lives in such a way that the house will stand. Again, we look at the end of the story. One house fell with a great crash. Is that what you want for your life? So the idea here is that we need to build on the right foundation. And once we've found the right foundation, we are to keep building it. Every single one of us is still building our house, okay? Now, I was thinking about that. Is this a building our life on Christ? Is it a one-time deal or is it an ongoing deal? Well, it's a one-time deal in that the decision to have Jesus Christ as our foundation is really uh, at a point in time. We receive Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. It's like I talked about last week with a wedding. A wedding is a point in time. It's a commitment that you make. And with Jesus, the commitment is to give our lives to him. But from there, it's an ongoing deal because we are to keep on building our lives on Jesus Christ. We are to keep on building our house the way that he says that we should build. So we need to settle this issue of our foundation. Now, some people don't want Jesus as the foundation. Some people would rather build their house their own way. And really, that's just an issue of lordship. Who's the Lord of your life? Who's in control? Who's the one designing the plans? It's supposed to be God. Some people don't want to give up control, but I want to urge you, that's the only way to receive life. We all want life, right? The only way to receive that is for Jesus to be our foundation. And from there, it means continually building on him. So how do we do that? Well, remember, in this analogy, Jesus said it had to do with not just hearing Jesus' words, but with doing them. So if you want to build on Jesus, it means continually going back to him to hear his words. And let's refresh our memories here. What are some of the words that Jesus has told us in the Sermon on the Mount? Well, in 543, he said, love your enemies. In 548, he said, be perfect. In 625, he said, don't worry. And there are lots and lots of other things that he says. Some of those things that he says are contrary to what we might want. But that's where we need to submit to the Lordship of Christ and say, I will live the way that you want me to. And by the way, it's not just the words of Jesus. It's not just the words of the Sermon on the Mount. It's really all of Scripture. That we are to get to know the Word of God and submit to Him and live accordingly. So a question that we should be asking ourselves is this. Am I doing the things that Jesus says? 23 times in the Bible, Jesus said, follow me. Are you following Jesus? Followers of Jesus are people who listen to the word of God and do what it says. James 1.22 says, Do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Now don't misunderstand. We don't earn our salvation by doing those good things. But the way that it works is that we place our faith in Christ and salvation comes to us then as a gift of God from his grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And from there, flowing out of that faith are to flow these good works where we honor God in all that we do. And then our houses should start to look like what Jesus says they should look like. So let me close this part of my sermon with an application question. For those of you who come here often, you hear the word of God often. Do you do what he says? 
Again, it can be so easy to live our lives according to our own plans. It can be difficult to give up that control. But God has a much better life for us. And, and let me assure you of this. The wind is coming. The streams are rising. The rain is coming down. Will you build your life on Jesus Christ and continue to build on him, doing what he says? So if you're following it along here, the Sermon on the Mount ends with Jesus talking about two roads and then two builders. One leads to life, one leads to death. Now as Jesus said these things, there was an interesting response from the people. They were amazed. I want to reread for you now verses 28 and 29. When Jesus had finished saying these things, the crowds were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority and not as their teachers of the law. Oftentimes in the Gospels, we see this response to Jesus. He says some amazing things, and the people are like, Whoa, who is this guy? He is unlike any other teacher I've ever heard. The things that he says have a certain power behind them. And the question that they ask, and it's the same question that we should ask, Do I need to listen to this guy? I mean, he's making a lot of bold claims. Do I need to listen to him? Well, I would say yes. I I would most certainly say yes. I say that for a lot of reasons. For one reason, I think that Jesus' words make sense. I think that as I read the Bible, it makes sense of my life. It makes sense of the universe. It It just makes sense. But let me give you one perhaps even more strong reason that we should listen to the words of Jesus. He rose from the dead. Um... We would be right to ask the question to Jesus, by what authority do you say these things? And then Jesus' response, as people often ask him that question, he said, well, my authority is my Father. He's given me the words to say, and I'm saying that. And then the people would often ask, okay, uh, prove it. Or, you know, we, we might ask that question. I think it's a decent question to ask. You say that you're from the Father? Prove it. It's a good question, right? What's our, do you have an answer for that? What's, what's the proof? Is there any proof to that? It's a question I love to ask other pastors, by the way. Um, well, you want to know my answer to that question? The fact that Jesus rose again from the dead shows that he has authority to speak about life and death. Let me repeat that for you, because I think that's an important apologetic. Maybe that's a, a big word for some of you. Apologetic just means being able to have answers to important questions. And I, and I think that this is perhaps one of the most apologetic best apologetic answers that you can give. And and I'll repeat it for you. The fact that Jesus rose again from the dead shows that he has authority to speak about life and death. This isn't just some guy out there saying these things. The the same guy who said these things said, I'm going to die, but it's okay, I'm going to rise again. Repeatedly he said that. And then he did it to show that he has authority to speak on the matters of life and death. So I want you to remember that as you're interacting with your friends or your family about questions about Christianity or even as you're just trying to settle this matter for yourself, please know that Jesus has authority over life and death. And that's why we need to listen to him. The same guy who conquered death and wants to give you life spoke words to us so that we can live in that life. I think that's what the resurrection proves. And as Jesus ends the Sermon on the Mount, it really is a matter of life and death. 
One house stood, one fell with a great crash. What do you want your life to be? There's a way that might seem right to us, a way where we live for ourselves and we just live according to what we think is best. But the only way to live the life that is truly life is with Jesus as our foundation. His words have authority. He spoke the very words of God. Will you listen to him? Will you build your life on him? If so, here's the application for this part, put yourself in a position to continue to hear the words of Jesus. That means on your own, diving into God's word to study it. That means coming to places where you will hear teaching on it. It means maybe getting involved in a small group Bible study. And then don't just hear God's word. Do what he says. Submit your life to him, recognizing that his way is better. And I, I tell you this, you will be amazed at the words of Jesus if you give your life to him. That's what we were created for. So here's my conclusion to the matter. I, uh, I didn't put this in your bulletin, but if you're going to write down any, anything in your bulletin, this might be one to write. It's the conclusion to this sermon. It's kind of the conclusion to the Sermon on the Mount or even to this whole sermon series. Jesus is Lord. We must build our lives on him. Jesus is Lord. We must build our lives on him. Again, it, it can be so easy for us to do the opposite, to build our own life according to our own plans. That's the easier and the cheaper way. But we need to build on Jesus. He is our cornerstone. In Isaiah 28:16, it's a verse that's also quoted in the New Testament. The Lord says this, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a tested stone, a precious cornerstone for a sure foundation. The one who trusts will never be dismayed. And then obviously, he's speaking about Jesus. That's what Peter tells us in the New Testament. Jesus is our cornerstone. Um, I've given this cornerstone analogy here before, and I want to do it again. Uh, and this is one, I didn't come up with this one myself, but as a, as a civil engineering student, this one really struck me as, as powerful. So you think about 2,000 years ago, building a house. You've dug down deep to the rock. Well, what's the next thing you do? You look for a cornerstone. And obviously you're looking for a stone that's going to be able to support the weight of the house. That's one really important thing that a cornerstone does, that a foundation does. It supports the house. But there's one other thing that I learned about a cornerstone that was fascinating to me. The shape of that cornerstone determines the shape of the house. So here's how it works. You, you set down that first rock, that cornerstone, and then every other rock that you set is supposed to line up with that cornerstone. So again, the shape of the cornerstone determines the shape of the building. And for us, every day, we are continuing to build a house. We're continuing to put stone after stone in our building, the building of our lives. So how should we build? Well, there's a lot of answers to that question. But I think it comes down to, an, to one important question about who we're living for. Um, you think about two different houses. One where somebody is very meticulous about making sure that every stone lines up with the cornerstone. Maybe they get out a plumb line or a level or whatever else they need to make sure that that happens. And then you think about another house where they're just, they've totally forgotten about the cornerstone and they're just throwing stones in. What, which life is it for you? Are you doing the things that you do on purpose because God is leading you into them? 
Are you studying God's word and praying and worshiping God because he asks you to do those things? Are you committed to being involved in fellowship with other believers because, because God tells you that's what's better? Or are you just living your life according to your own ways? Remember, the difference between the two houses in here, it was the foundation. And spiritually speaking, what Jesus said was that both of them heard the words of Jesus, but only one did what he said. And the other one didn't. The other one thought he could live his life his own way. I, I just hope that you have settled this matter in your mind. That you don't even pretend for a moment that you can lead your life your own way. Now we all struggle, yes. Every one of us has our weaknesses. Sometimes we fall into temptation. But I hope you've settled the matter that Jesus Christ is your foundation and you will build on Him and Him alone. That might cost you something. It won't be the easiest life to live. It might mean that you have to do things that you maybe didn't want to do, like maybe doing the dishes when it's not your turn, or maybe leaving your job to become a missionary. But the conclusion to the matter here is that Jesus is Lord and we are to build our lives on him according to what he says. That means listening to him and doing what he says. In Luke 6.46, Jesus said, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I say? Now that verse is spoken negatively and, and maybe Jesus had some harsh words for some people who weren't following him. But I see a positive message in it. And the message is this. If Jesus Christ is our Lord, it means that he wants us to follow him and that we can do what he says. In the power of the Holy Spirit, we can live the life that God wants us to live. That's what it means to know Jesus as Lord and to build our lives on him. Jesus is Lord. We must build our lives on him. Will you pray with me? Father, we thank you that you have revealed this to us, that you sent Jesus to be our Savior and to be our foundation, our cornerstone. And I pray that every single one of us would know Jesus as Savior and Lord and that we would continue to build our lives on him. So God, show us where we're at in that. If there's someone here who hasn't yet received Jesus, I pray that they would do that even right now. And God, if we're struggling in this, if we realize that some of those last stones that we've been putting in our house have not lined up at all with the cornerstone, God, I pray that we would repent. And God, I pray that you would give us the wisdom to continue to build our lives on Jesus Christ. That we would submit everything to you. You are our Lord. And I pray that we would build our lives on you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.